hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman, our good friend and regular contributor to the podcast, Taylor Cole from Hotel Hunt TV is going to join us in a few minutes with her monthly hotel feature. This time around, she'll share her recent stay at the Grand Solmar in Los Cabos with us. Then we'll head to the East Coast and travel to Nova Scotia, see how their summer is going for tourism and get some insight on the popular things to see and do there. But to start things out, going to have a little bit of fun as I invited Ken Stewart from Crowfoot Travel Solutions to come on and share some travel agent jargon to help us learn some of the terms and definitions that travel agents use in the industry. Ken joins us now to do that. Hello, sir. Morning, Randy. Good morning, everyone. I thought we'd have a little bit of fun. Uh, So I thought uh, we would talk about the lingo, the terminology, some of the phrases that uh, (laughs) travel agents like to use. Tips that would and make tricks, you more informed, me. right? <laughs> exactly. Tips and tricks, but don't trick me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go through a few uh, of the terms and things that uh, that are kind of common and that people might hear often, but may not know what they stand for. Are you, exactly. are you, are you up for it? Are you game? Because I'm going to be yep. testing you. Okay, let's okay. do it. Uh, we're for the first one uh, is FIT. What is that? Free, nice little four-letter word, independent travel, but not in the sense that it's free you are going to pay for. <laughs> but it totally allows us to, as we joke here in the office, you win the lottery, uh, give me a copy of your passport, your credit card, and tell us what you want to do, and we'll put it all together for you. So that means... Let's do a complete package. So that means uh, you would book the flights, hotel, maybe a car rental, a couple of attractions, tours, maybe tours, all separately yeah, and bundled it all together? Yep, and call it a package. You betcha. Ah, so that's different from, say, like, like to use Disney, for example. If I was going to Disneyland, you would book the flight separately to Anaheim, uh, and then you would book a hotel for me, and then you'd get uh, Disney tickets and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's exactly. different from, say, um, a tour operator like uh, WestJet Vacations or Air Canada Vacations, where it's all no, bundled together kind of, for They you. refer to those as, as FITs as well, too, because you're putting together a package. So it's got the air, it's got the uh, hotel, with uh, usually all-inclusive, if we're talking beach, with um, umbrella drinks and the beach chairs, and your transfers and everything like that. So yeah. it's, again, a similar ID. I learn something every day. Here's one that uh, confuses a lot of people and is used, uh, I think, wrongly a lot. Direct flight. A lot of people think <laughs> or confuse a direct flight with a non-stop flight that is not necessarily the case. Am I correct, sir? You are correct. Nonstop is going to go A to B. No stops or anything in between. Direct flight, which a lot of them do, and we've talked about these, uh, and some of our uh, specials and stuff that we talk about where you, you may have uh, our friends in Edmonton stopping down with their brothers and sisters and cousins and then continue on down. It's mm-hmm. still the same plane, still the same flight number, everything like that, but it does do a stop and drop, as we like to say. Yeah, you don't necessarily get off the plane or anything that's nope. uh, either to pick up uh, extra passengers or perhaps refueling in some cases. So what is an open jaw ticket then? Open jaw allows you to go from point A, uh, for we'll use Calgary, uh, we use these a lot over in Europe. We're going to go from Calgary to Dublin, mm-hmm. see as you mission with our friends at West End on their Dreamliner. <coughs> and you're going to do some traveling around and maybe you're going to end up over in uh, Paris or uh, you're doing a coach tour or a river cruise that's going to take you to another city. Well, then you're going to return from that city rather than have to backtrack all the way, so you could be coming back from Paris. So we're going to fly into London, England, Hmm. and return from Paris. Or you're going to fly to out east, you're going to fly to Toronto, you're going to rent a car and drive and do a coastal tour, and you want to come back from uh, New Brunswick, so you're going to fly back from 
St. John's. It's an odd name, though, Open Jaw, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure who came up with it, but it's been around for a long time. (laughs) Okay, uh, Code Share now. Code Share. Those are are kind of tricky ones, and you will see them a lot. Uh, A lot of times we see them uh, with Delta and KLM Uh going overseas to Amsterdam. Again, I'm using Europe today because it just seems to be in my mind. I've got Europe on the brain. Uh, You can have a Delta... Uh, flight number or a KLM uh, flight number, uh, both going to Amsterdam, both the same flights, uh, same day, same time, everything like that. Uh, but the plane is actually operated, uh, in most cases, uh, by uh, KLM. Mm, okay. Or a lot of times, Air Canada, United, going yes. down to the U.S. You see that a lot. Uh, you see that a lot. It's going to be operated by one or the other. And the other one is given X number of seats to sell on that plane. And sometimes their rates can be different because they have different contracts. And your so, ticket will usually say that operated by, like if, if you bought it on an Air Canada site, it'll say right. operated by United Airlines. Yep. Right? Yep. And one of the easiest ways to tell is just about all the airlines have usually a, a two or a three digit code if it's being operated on what they call, we call it their metal, like their aircraft. Yeah. So Air Canada is going to be a 153 or a 396. But if it's a 6396, then chances are usually whenever the number is a four, it's a code share flight. They're, that carrier is not operating it, but they're sharing seats on that plane. But again, huh. prices can be different. So yes. you can sometimes save money. Well, and uh, certain share. baggage uh, fees and things like that uh, might be different too. So you got to Baggage is always be aware. the operating carrier. Yeah. Well, Operated good stuff. Canada, I feel look at Air Canada. I feel uh, more informed now. Uh, and if you have uh, any questions, you can uh, email us, uh, Randy at the Informed Traveler. If you have any other questions about terminology and things that uh, you know you're confused with when it comes to the uh, travel industry, and we'll we'll uh, pass them on and we'll discuss them on the show. So, uh, thanks for your time, Mister. Thanks, Randy. Well, about once a month, our good friend and regular contributor to the podcast, Taylor Cole from Hotel Hunt TV, joins us to share one of her stays at a fabulous hotel. So Taylor is here now via Skype to share her recent stay at the Grand Solmar in Los Cabos. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Randy. Let's uh, talk about the Grand (laughs) Solmar Resort. What were your first impressions? Oh, wow. Well... Anyone who knows me knows I absolutely love Los Cabos. It's one of my top five favorite places to travel to. Mm-hmm. So my first impression of the Grand Solmar Lands End Resort and Spa was five star, mainly because it is located in the most picturesque place within Cabo San Lucas. It's um, you know, at the end of the land. So just a beautiful location. Uh, now tell me about the rooms and... Those types of things. What was your room like? Okay, so, you know, normally I would say I would stay at one of the smaller 700 to 1200 square foot suites, but I had the opportunity to do some mingling in a 6200 square foot suite (laughs) with (laughs) five bathrooms, four bedrooms. Oh my gosh. yeah, beachfront <laughs> private pool and an adjoining jacuzzi. So it was rough in it, Randy. I had to do it. You know, <laughs> it was yeah. a gorgeous place. <laughs> Tough job, but somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody has 6, to. Sixty-two hundred square feet. Now that's not your average room, obviously. 
Not at all. But you know what? The, the rooms are very spacious. Um, this property is, while it's a large resort, it's not as large as some of the others. It has that boutique feel. You definitely feel like you're getting that personalized service. It's all-inclusive optional. So primarily they do the European plan where you know you pick and choose the restaurants that you eat at. Mm -hmm. um, but then you also have the option to have food prepared in your own kitchen in your room. Ooh. So they can pre-stock. So say we know we're going to be traveling there in October. We tell them what we'd like to eat. The refrigerator upon arrival is pre-stocked. Now talk about a first impression. You get there and all your favorites, whether it's snack food or seafood that's freshly caught or guacamole, all of that is pre-stocked for you. And then if you want to prepare the food in your kitchen, you can, or you can have a butler come and help you out. Nice. I like that option. Now tell me about some of the, uh, speaking of food, now if you uh, wanted to uh, test out some of their restaurants, tell me about that. The restaurants are delicious. Um, I like La Roca which is, it was named, I think in like 2017, it was a Traveler's Choice Award winner in the top 10 restaurants in Mexico from TripAdvisor and everybody. And so it is, it has homemade baked goods, seafood, authentic Baja cuisine, and then also has some American and continental fare. But the big attraction of that restaurant is it is seaside. So anywhere you sit, you feel like you're sitting on the water um, everything was prepared absolutely delicious. I love mineral water with lemonade, agua mineral da lemonada, and I always order that. They had that. They had fresh prepared guacamole. Um, they just really do a great job. They also have the sushi lounge. So you, know, you think of Asian, but you also think, well, you know, you're right here on the water. You're going to get fresh caught seafood mm. if you're into sushi. And I eat vegetarian sushi, but I absolutely loved it. Plus, you know, as a, um, uh, beachside resort, they're going to have the pool bars. And the neat thing about the pool bars is there are right now there's seven tables that are out in the water. So you swim out to these tables and the, the butlers and the servers can bring your food out to you in the water out of these gorgeous tables. So you don't have to miss any sun or fun while you have a little snack. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, uh, you really get spoiled at this resort. It sounds like yeah. Now, let me tell you about the biggest spoil I got, which <laughs> is getting to go up to the seaside cabana for a relaxing massage. And Randy, nice. when I say up, it is I went up a staircase about, I don't know, 20 feet mm -hmm. and um, they had all inclusive spa experiences. So that meant all of my body treatments, the food and the beverage, everything was put together so that it would complement one another. So this massage I got, let's say I got a, um, a healthy energy massage. Well, then they gave me a smoothie that would also help energize me. And then the materials they put on my body, the fresh tea leaves and the oils and the, the scents, all of that had to do with energizing me. So it all really fit in. Plus there was music playing. I mean, it was so gorgeous and I'm overlooking the beautiful Pacific Ocean. Nice. You really were, were spoiled, weren't you? Yes, yes. And you, everyone needs to definitely watch this episode of Hotel Hunt on Amazon Prime um, because you can see the spa, you can see the delicious food. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. There's really not a bad place to stay. Now, one thing I will say about this resort as well, though, is it's very expansive. So 
the corridors, there's a lot of walking. Mm -hmm. um, so for any guests who are planning to stay there, say they may have special needs or you've got lots of kids and you need to walk from side to side, you definitely want to plan ahead on where your room is located. Mm -hmm. um, take the time to ask the concierge or the reservations agent or if you're booking online, be sure to um, figure out where your room will be located so that you can plan accordingly. So where is it located uh, in Cabo San Lucas? Yeah, so it truly is at Land's End. This is at the edge of, um, of the seaside along the Pacific. Um, it's at just at the edge. Um, you'll see a gigantic rock. And um, you have to go over the rock, and then that's where the resort is. So it's interesting to get there. Um, for this location, anyone who wants to get there, if you're not a guest, you pretty much have to take a boat in order to get there. Mm, but okay. they call it um, behind El Arco, and it's closest to the rock. Uh, no, uh, Los Cabos is not really known for their beaches, although there's some, they do have some nice beaches area. Uh, what was the beach area like and, and was the ocean swimmable? Not so swimmable. I mean, it was a beautiful beachfront resort and there's a lot of pretty areas that you can kind of wade in. But this resort, I wouldn't say that you would consider it a place where you could swim or mm. you could surf. But... You know, they certainly try to make up for it with the beautiful infinity pools, you know, having a jacuzzi in a pool at your room, at your suite, um, you know, lots of relaxation, water, re relaxing water sports and things that you can do. Did you venture out into uh, Cabo San Lucas uh, at all? Always, always. One of my favorite restaurants is The Office. And you just tell people, yeah, I'm at The Office today. Well, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a beachside resort. I mean, sorry, a beachside um, restaurant where they deliver delicious food and lots of great service. There's a show on, I think, Thursday, Friday and Saturday night. So it's a, a beach show with, with fire and dancing. And so that's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I love doing adventurous sports and things. And so we've done parasailing over the arch. Um, we've also gone deep sea fishing. I mean, there's so many great things to do in Cabo because you have the downtown and the mm. nightlife. And then you've got the history, the Mexican culture and the cuisine. Um, and then you've also got such luxurious resorts that have those phenomenal golf courses. So you can play golf. And I've done that and played golf, um, you know, along the cliffs. So there's just a ton of great things to do. Or you know what, Randy, you can just sit in your room and look out at the beautiful view and relax and take a nap or maybe read a book. Uh -huh. Or you can just hang by the pool and enjoy the sunshine and that sort of thing, right? Absolutely. And of course, the nightlife, you know, you have to go by, at least walk by one of the nightclubs if you don't go in, but enjoying the great music and the dancing and the culture. Mm -hmm. So we can find this on HotelHuntTV.com, right? Right. You can find it there as well as it's um, an episode on Amazon Prime. For those who have Amazon Prime video, it's Hotel Hunt on Amazon Prime. And it's our episode called The Grand Solmar Land's End there as well. Awesome. Taylor Cole is the host of Hotel Hunt TV. Again, the website HotelHuntTV.com or on Amazon Prime. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat, Taylor. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. See you soon.
Well, if you go on the Tourism Nova Scotia website, it says there are countless reasons to visit. So we're going to find out a few of those reasons to visit Nova Scotia. To help us out, we're joined by Pam Wombach. She's Media Relations for Tourism Nova Scotia. The website is novascotia.com. Hi, Pam. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I've been to Nova Scotia many times. I love it there. One of the things I love about Nova Scotia is the people. Uh, the food's amazing, and it's almost like you're in another country. Well, well I think so, but I'm pretty biased here, <laughs> uh, obviously. How's your summer been so far uh, for visitors, by the way? Uh, um, I think it's been great. We're in fantastic weather. We're actually in a heat wave here today. Uh, and it's supposed to continue for the next few days. So for those of us who are, you know, born and raised here, we're not quite used to that. I like my temperatures more in the mid to high 20s. Um, but it's a beautiful sunny day out there. The weather's been fantastic actually all summer. And um, we're seeing lots of traffic, so we're pretty happy with that. Nice. Well, I, you know, like I said, I've been there many, many times. Halifax is, uh, is a very pretty city. Let's start there because I think the vast majority of people, when they come to visit Nova Scotia, they start in Halifax, wouldn't they? So definitely. I mean, it's, um, the airport is just an, about a half an hour from downtown Halifax. It is the largest city east of Montreal, and it's a really great central starting point. Because I like to think you can actually work your way around the province in a, in a circular loop, whether you go... Um, clockwise or counterclockwise doesn't really matter. And, and the great part about that is that you can go in that loop and never really have to backtrack over roads. So you're always seeing something new. But also, if, if you start in Halifax, I, I love Halifax because it's got all the amenities that you want in a from a city perspective, but it still has this kind of small town community feel to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's saying hello. Or you, it's not unusual to run into people you know, even if you are from the way. Or, or as they say, you know, there's only six degrees of separation. So that's very true here. <laughs> when you're from the way. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's the unique culture too, right, that, that uh, people get to experience. I think that's one of the big advantages Nova Scotia has is that you can use Halifax as a base and then just tour around and, and enjoy everything, right? Yeah, I mean, we may look very small on the map. But trust me, there's a lot of ground to cover when, you, when you're when you here. I mean, technically, we have over 13,000 kilometers of coastline uh, across Nova Scotia. We're only connected to the rest of Canada by about 50 kilometers land at the Nova Scotia-New Brunswick border. So if water is something you're interested in, it's, it kind of runs in our blood here, uh, more or less. And so there's always ways to connect to, to the water and the seacoast as well. Mm-hmm. Well, your website has top 25 attractions. I doubt if we'll get to all 25, but uh, let's <laughs> share a few of some of the attractions that, uh, that are popular for visitors. Well, it's really hard for me even to narrow it down to 25, to be perfectly honest. Let's do a bit of a tour then. Let's uh, okay. do a circular one and, and give me some highlights. If I had a, a week there, where would be some of the, the places that you would take me? Yeah, so definitely if you're coming into Nova Scotia, I usually do recommend you probably need about seven to ten days in order to do the province and not spend the whole time uh, sitting in a car kind of looking out the window. We want you to get out and experience things as well. So um, so driving around, and I will start kind of Halifax, we are going to go clockwise around the province. So as I said, Halifax is fairly easy to get around from a city perspective. You can actually base here and within an hour's drive of Halifax, you can get to a number of places like um, Peggy's Cove, mm-hmm. Annapolis Valley, the Eastern Shore and such. Or again, if you start in Halifax for a couple of days, then make your way towards the southwestern part of the province. 
So along the South Shore, the Lighthouse Route, you're going to find places like Peggy's Cove, which has the most photographed lighthouse uh, in all of Canada. And um, it's such a unique, charming little place because I often like to say there's literally hundreds of Peggy's Coves around the province. Mm -hmm. But Peggy's Cove is, is fairly accessible to Halifax. It's a small community of about 60 people living there and uh, well over three quarters of a million people visit every year. And you have to see it to understand why. It's a working fishing village, but it's got so much uh, photographic charm to it as well. Mm -hmm. Then you can continue along South Shore to another popular spot, uh, Lunenburg, which is one of three UNESCO heritage sites that we have in the province. And Lunenburg itself is over 260 years old. And it really is uh, still very much a working uh, town and community from a, from a seafaring and a fishing perspective. So the boats and the operators and the fishermen that you see on the water are the real deal. This is their living uh, and how they make a living on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, nothing's really staged there. But, but totally accessible um, to visitors as well. It's just... Again, it's colorful, it's historic, friendly people. Lundberg is a definite must on the new list. Well, there's a couple now. Uh, obviously, we don't have time for everything. I'm going to touch on a few, yeah. the, a few activities that people might be interested in uh, mm -hmm. from your website. Whale watching, adventures, uh, I imagine that's pretty popular. Is that, but a lot of that's seasonal, is it not? Um, yeah, for the most part, whales, I like to say the whales like to, you know, uh, go visiting as well. So they come up here and they visit for the season and then they return home. But um, technically, if you continue around the southwestern part of the province, you do come to the Bay of Fundy, which we share, uh, kind of like we co-parent uh, the Bay of Fundy with New Brunswick. And, and it is home to the world's highest tides. So there's a number of experiences you can do there. But definitely the Bay of Fundy is probably one of the top whale-watching uh, locations in the world and you're not just going to see a couple of whales when you go out one of the operators you're going to see several different species uh, of the whales out there mm -hmm. from the north atlantic right whale to the humpbacks to the fins to the minkies and pilots um, it's not unusual to see a multitude of whales when you're when you're out in that area another spot that's great for whale watching is actually up off the coast of cape breton in the pleasant bay area as well so you've got a couple of choices depending on where you are one thing I was surprised about when I was in Nova Scotia is the, the wineries, the number of wineries that are there. Oh, yes. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. So, yeah, actually, people don't think, I, I, I kind of, I love that part of it and kind of seeing people realize, yeah, we have fantastic seafood here, um, but we actually grow a fair number, a fairly large bit of produce um, that's here as well. And we can grow a lot of our own ingredients to complement that seafood. And the wine one has really taken off. In fact, um, I've heard it referred to, Nova Scotia is now referred to as the Napa of the North. So we now have uh, over 15 wineries. Most of them are accessible to the public with tasting rooms uh, and tours. A number of them have restaurants on site. Predominantly, we're growing white grapes, uh, and in particular, one that's called the Lacadie Blanc, mm -hmm. which um, kind of a, we, we've, we've adopted it as our signature grape. And we've now even uh, started producing our own signature wine here called the Tidal Bay. So you can only get that in Nova Scotia. And yes, I'm biased, but I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but I'm not the only one because it's, it's um, competing in wine uh, competitions around the world, and it's winning against you know traditional wine locations like France and Australia and Germany. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm a bit of a history buff. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Fortress of Louisbourg, a uh, national oh. historic site. Uh, I think that would be high on my list personally anyway. Yeah, I, and I'm right there with you. I love the Fortress of Louisbourg. Um, I think it's a fantastic site. It is part of the Parks Canada system. Sometimes she gets kind of a little bit lost in the shadow of the Cape Breton Highlands National Park. But um, the Fortress of Louisbourg is definitely one of those places that you should go and visit and, and plan to spend the day there. Because there's a lot of programming that's done on site. As soon as you walk through the gates uh, of the fortress, you do step back in time, uh, about 300 years back in time, to when the French were kind of first settling this area. um, And they were here because of all the lucrative fishing grounds found off our coastline. So you're greeted by French soldiers that are there. You see how the different classes of life live there. You can dine uh, 18th century food and dining experiences. And you now even have the opportunity that if you want, you can actually stay overnight in the fortress. So they offer it uh, two types uh, as an inn or a B&B accommodation. Mm-hmm. But remember, it's, it's as it would have been uh, <laughs> in the 18th century. So straw beds, um, a shared toilet, washroom facility, I'll put that in quotes, uh-huh. um, or, or you can actually stay outside like the soldiers did in the, in the tents um, around a campfire and such. Cool. So it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool to be there because, again, it's a reconstructed area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's no big street lights around that. You're right on the coast of the water. You're hearing the sounds of the waves. It's you really, it's not much of a stretch to imagine mm-hmm. that you've gone back a couple hundred years in time. Well, we didn't hit all top 25 attractions, but we did pretty good. <laughs> uh, you can find them on the uh, Nova Scotia Tourism website, novascotia.com. And Pam Wambach is uh, Media Relations with Tourism Nova Scotia. It was a pleasure chatting with you, Pam. Thanks so much, Randy. And we look forward to you coming back again because we've got lots of, lots of uh, lobster waiting for you. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.